0: Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. This is the Word of the Lord. It is eternally true. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that all of it is inspired and it is profitable for training, for correction, for rebuke. Lord, we pray that it would be profitable to us even this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. So there are a number of questions that surround this, these events that we read about from Matthew chapter 2, and most of them arise because we um, have in our songs, even like the song we just sang, condensed events uh, around the birth of Jesus Christ, and we've looked at nativity scenes, uh, which get the, get it all wrong, right? And 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 we you know and so uh, there's been there's been a long tradition of of condensing the events of Christ's birth. It's not I don't want to focus on those things. So just a few points to um, to uh, to set that aside. First, we don't know where these wise men, Magi, are from astrologers maybe. Um, we, we just don't know where they're from other than the east, right? We do know that they had some high rank because uh, Herod was willing to entertain their questions, which I don't think he would have done if they didn't have some sort of rank. Uh, second, we don't know how many, how many men came to visit Jesus, uh, whether it was three or more. The reason we assume it was three is because there are three gifts, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it it could have been less. It could have been more. It was more than one. Uh, third, these uh, magi likely visited Jesus sometime after Jesus' birth. Right, the shepherds, which we looked at last time and and read about from the Gospel of Luke, were there right at the beginning. Right, um, he was born, and they showed up shortly thereafter. But notice. How our text in Matthew at verse 11 says the Magi came into the house, right? Not the stable. Um, They came into the house, the oikos. Uh, They came into. In fact, the best we can do is to say that this visit happened within the first two years of Jesus' life. First two years. And we base that on the fact that Herod called for the killing of boys two years old and younger. Right? So he knew there was a window that he had to cover back. Uh, then when Herod, uh, at verse six, um, verse 16, then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Right, so, So that's all the misconceptions that we have to, Um, uh, that we learn from going to the actual verses in Scripture, right? So it's not exactly what we're used to. I don't, I mean, it is still, it is still a story that relates to the birth of Jesus Christ. And so in that there's a condensing of these things in our songs. I don't much, um, don't have, you know, let's not get upset about that. Um, but there is um, some separation between the actual time of birth and when this happened. So what's the purpose of this story? Here are a few things that I I have pulled from this and I think will encourage you. First, the visit from the Magi shows us very uh, clearly that Jesus is a king, right, that he's a king. Uh, nobles and dignitaries came to honor Jesus, and that honor came in the highest form, right? Even higher than we would give to a normal king, they come and they worship, right? So they know that this is, uh, this is a king of uh, some extraordinary uh, uh, line. The Magi announced that their intent in traveling to Jerusalem is to worship a king. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so when they arrive at that house marked out by that star, they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. Right? These nobles, both with their, their posture and their, and their gifts, honor this child. And so the honorable set aside their own honor uh, to honor that which is more honorable which is the the king of kings, right? He is, uh, the kingly have their king, and he now is the king of kings. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, king of kings and lord of lords, right? This less than two-year-old child is that king of kings and lord of lords that we read of in the book of Revelation. Second, the visit from the Magi shows us clearly that uh, Jesus, as king, will divide men. He will do- divide men. Some will be for him, and some will be against him. Some will worship him. Some will mock him. Some will bow in reverent fear before him like the magi. And some will feign interest so that they might come, come near just to silence him, which is Herod. Right? Simeon's prophecy concerning Jesus is quickly being fulfilled. In Luke 2, we read about Jesus' presentation at the temple, and why while there, Simeon, who had been waiting, right, with anticipation for Jesus, blesses the child and says to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, he said to Mary, to the end that, thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, right? The fall and the rise, or the fall and literally the resurrection of many there. Uh, the magi, these Gentiles, worship, right? While Herod, Herod's murderous heart is revealed, right? He's brought out into the light as this murderous um, thug. Such is always the case with Jesus, right? No, no one seems to be ambivalent about Jesus. We can be ambivalent about some concept of God. But when it comes specifically to the Son of God and to Jesus, no one is ambivalent. People either love and worship and honor him with zeal or hate him and blaspheme him and dishonor him with, with similar zeal. It's very seldom you get uh, anybody who doesn't have an opinion about Jesus Christ, right? People either love or hate him, and that's, that's prophesied. He reveals the thoughts of men's hearts. He, was, he came to divide, right? We should expect this, this the, and, and we should prepare ourselves as followers of Christ for this Because that which we deem most precious, so many people think, is revolting and wicked. And they will not bow their knees. Jesus said, do you suppose that I came to to grant peace on earth? Right, I tell you no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son. And son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Right? Those divisions come by virtue of people uh, determining who Jesus is. Right? So let it be clear: the division Jesus is talking about in that passage is the division that He causes. Right? He causes that. Some believe and others hate them for believing and that divides families right that divides families and Jesus is unashamed of that that divides families even in the southern states of america where family is an idol right where family is everything where the where the blood of of uh, birth is more important than the waters of baptism, right? Jesus is unashamed that he will divide a household. He's unashamed that he will do it even in the South. Third, the visit from the Magi shows us very clearly that all nations will one day worship King Jesus, right? Do not forget that these Magi are Gentiles, right? They are Gentile nobles. They are not Jewish officials, Right? How they understand these things is nothing less than God's mercy and, and revelation to them, right? Here in microcosm, with the Gentile Magi traveling to Jesus and, and bringing him gifts, is the scene that we have laid out for us in Revelation twenty-one. This is sort of a, this is a, uh, in microcosm, a preview of of the cataclysms of Revelation twenty-one. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb, and the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So, so you see, there on a more humble scale, within the first two years of Jesus' life, 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, the Magi are beginning that worship that will culminate in, at the end of the ages and continue for an eternity, Right? Now, here's the question. Is Jesus your king? Which side of the dividing line do you fall on? Right? Which side of that? The prophecy that Sim, Simeon spoke in the presence of Jesus is still being played out today. And, and Jesus is still appointed for the fall and the rise of many. Perhaps the contrast between Herod and the Magi will, will help you discern your position. Right, The Magi, they expend themselves to find and worship Jesus. Right? They travel from who knows how far away. We don't know. They submit themselves. Then when they arrive to the advice of the authorities that, that they might find him. And when they do find him, they fall down before him and they worship him. And then they make offerings to him. They give up of their wealth to, uh, to supply his need. Herod, on the other hand, sounds, sounds kind of like the lazy man, right? He tells the magi, go and, and search for the child, and when you have found him, report to me so that, so that I may come and worship him. It's so verse 8. So, Herod sounds like the kind of man who is so happy his church started a Saturday evening service, right? So that he can... Um, so that it allows him to spend all of Sunday on a boat in in the lake, right? That Saturday evening service. Now, clearly, Herod is trying to use the Magi here. He's trying to use them. He wants to find Jesus, but certainly not for the same reasons as the Magi. He wants to find Jesus to protect himself from Jesus, right? He wants to be protected from him, and he also wants to then assert his own authority. The Magi... Want to submit to his authority. They long to call him king. They long to be underneath him. They long to know the peace that he can give to them. Herod comes to make war. Yet, even in this, he's not about to set out on his own search. Herod, Herod didn't say, Don't go yet. I, I want to come with you. No, he'll ride the coattails of those who are, who are truly motivated to find Jesus. He'll just ride their coattails right? Is your faith in Jesus like that? Do you ride, think of this, do you ride the coattails of the faithful, right? Those who are properly motivated, those who have seen Jesus and want to worship him, do you just ride their coattails? Are your own motives all mixed up and self-centered and twisted like Herod's, right? You want to be known as spiritual. Right? You, want to, you want to be known as religious or moral or thoughtful or, or a believer. You want to please your mama. You want to please your boyfriend. You want to um, make heirs. You want to remain respectable, but you are just riding the coattails of the faithful. You don't actually seek to find Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, to obey Jesus and everything. You just come along with your parents and ride their coattails. You put Jesus on and take him off like he's an old sweatshirt, right? And and not the almighty king of the universe. You feign worship like Herod. His feigned worship was just a means to an end. Spurgeon makes the point that it was strange that the chief priests and scribes were able to answer the question of the magi. Right, but we're not then found worshiping in Bethlehem. Right, the scribes and Pharisees know the answer. Right, you'll find them in Bethlehem. You'll find the Messiah. You'll find the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in in, in Bethlehem. And they don't go. Right, they haven't been there. Spurgeon says to the chief priests and scribes, the question was put, and they answered the inquiry as to where. Christ would be born, but not a mother's son among them would go with the wise men to find this newborn king. Strange apathy. Alas, how common. Those who should have been leaders were no leaders. They would not even be followers of that which is good, for they had no heart towards Christ. The wise men rose superior to this serious discouragement. If the clergy would not help them, they would go to Jesus by themselves. Oh, dear friends, he goes on, he says, if you are wise, you will say, I will find Christ alone. If none will join me, if I dig to the center, I will find him. If I fly to the sun, I will find him. If all men put me off, I will find him. If the ministers of the gospel appear indifferent to me, I will find him. The kingdom of heaven of old suffers violence, and the violent take it by force, and so will I. The first Christians had to leave all the authorized teachers of the day behind and to come out by themselves. It will be no strange thing if you should have to do the same. right? Happy will it be if you are determined to go through floods and flames to find Christ, for he will be found of you. Thus, these men are wise because having started on the search, they persevered in it until they found the Lord and they worshipped him. So the Magi gave up their time. They gave up their comfort. right? They gave up their wealth. They gave up their reputations in order to bow down before Jesus Christ. We don't know how long they were in that house worshiping Jesus. Undoubtedly it was but moments in comparison with how long it took them to find Jesus and to get there. But even a moment for them, would satisfy them, right? Even just a moment. They desired to bow their knees to the Son of God. No distance was too far, no cost was too great, no effort was, was beyond what they would consider, right? Such is the case when one is being visited by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the eternal Son of God. And we find it hard to be motivated to worship Jesus. We find it really hard to be motivated to worship Jesus, to read his word. right? We find it difficult to open up the pages of this this history that talks about the king of kings and the lord of lords. We find it hard to attend the activities of his bride. we The church, right? We find it difficult to witness to our neighbors. We'd rather just be comfortable. We find it we find it very, very, very hard to pray, right? And what this reveals is that we have not properly thought about Jesus and his glory. That's what it reveals about us. We have not properly thought about his glory as these these Gentile magi did. We have not surpassed the magi in their devotion to Jesus, though having much more knowledge, having much more revelation, having much more clarity than they had. They had a star guiding them, and they came and worshipped. This should not be. We have much more of God's revelation to us, and we should not be apathetic in our approach to him, right? Lastly, let me draw attention to the response of the Magi to seeing the star which marked the place where Jesus would be found. Verse 10 says, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Just like those shepherds, right? It was only in acknowledging Jesus Christ as the King of Kings, as the Almighty God, that there, um, it's only as we do that, right, that there will be true joy in your life. Right? Acknowledging that there is a God, that he had a son, his son came, was born of a woman, died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of God the Father there to always make intercession for you. That is joy, right? That's joy. That is the content. That is the fullness of our joy. Now, do you think Herod was happy? No, of course not. If we were to do Herod Justice and continue the process of of condensing the early events of Jesus' life into our nativity scenes, we'd surround those cozy matronly stables with the hacked up limbs of baby boys, right? If we did this justice, condensing everything into our little our little um, crushes, it's hard it, and so it. That's Herod's contribution. It's hard to sanitize Herod's contribution to the story of the incarnation of the Son of God, right? But but what a powerful contrast. Surrounded by death, surrounded by the death of little children. Think of the fruit of Herod and the fruits, conversely, of the Magi. The fruit of those who feign worship will be similar to that of Herod. Feigned worship leads to misery. Feigned worship leads to death. Feigned feigned worship leads to destruction. But the fruit of those who truly worship the Son of God, joy, joy, happiness, contentment, joy, peace, right? So read yourself into the story. Are you closer to Herod than you are to the Magi? Are are, Are you your own king? Right? Or is Jesus your king? Do you honor Jesus Christ as the king of kings, singing his praises, obeying his commands, uh, studying his law, enjoying all the protection that he gives your soul? Right? If, if so, if that is your joy, then excel still more. Right? Keep going. Deepen your joy. Broaden it. The, Jesus is a well of joy that has that doesn't run out, right? So deepen and broaden your joy in him. If not, if you won't do that, if you won't pursue Jesus, if you won't find your joy solely in Jesus Christ, you will only acknowledge his kingship when it is too late, right? And at that point, Jesus becomes an enemy to you. Not a king who rules you and protects you and loves you and cherishes you and does everything to lay down his life for you. But if you wait too long, then Jesus becomes an enemy to you. Right? Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that he not become angry and you perish in the way for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him, as did the Magi, right? As Herod did not, and he has found Jesus to be his enemy. So rest in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Find your joy in Jesus Christ.